Bobby. What's going on, my dog? What's up, dude? How you doing today? Ah, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. It's a Tuesday here. Got a little workout in. Feeling good. Got the endorphins going. There you go. Sugar-free Red Bull in me. I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, you're locked, locked and ready to rock, dude. Yeah. I had some pulled pork for lunch. That was great. Oh, not pulled pork. Yeah. Dude, all I've had today was just a, was just like a Jimmy Dean breakfast bowl, which is still good, but like... It's good, but not filling. Like, one at breakfast and one for lunch. I'm like, I'm good until dinner. Really? Like, I, like I'm a little hungry now, but I know, like, I'm going to have dinner soonish, so I'm not, like, clamming to get something to eat. Yeah. No, I just I just love food, so I like to eat. Well, so do I, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an issue, but had some pulled pork for, for lunch. That was my meal prep for the week, because I, I meal prepped some pulled pork. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Just some, just some pork in the crock pot, shit ton of barbecue sauce, let it cook for four and a half, five hours. I'm about to start throwing chicken in the, in the uh, instant fryer. In the air fryer? That's it. Yeah. Air fryer. You went through everything. Pressure. It's, it's, it's fucking <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I'm about to start doing that. A little bit of rice. Maybe some potatoes. You should do potatoes. Potatoes are delicious. I love potatoes, man. Yeah. If you could pick one type of potato to eat for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Wow, that's tough. I love this question. This is a tough question. I know my answer. Yeah, let me hear it. Tater tots. Yeah. Because tater tots, you could do for any meal. You could, you could put tater tots on a breakfast sandwich, and it's not weird. It'd be weird to put mashed potatoes on a breakfast sandwich. That's all I'm saying. You can, That's a valid point. You can sauce them up, right? You could have some buffalo chicken tater tots. You could have some loaded cheese and bacon tater tots. You can, make, you can do tater tots however you see fit. Tater tots are my answer. I don't want to say it's the correct answer, but it feels like it's the correct answer. But like, dude, mashed potato smack, a, a real nice baked potato kind of hits. You know, you know what I like more than a, more than just a regular baked potato, a twice baked baked potato. Dude, those things are fire. Yeah, they are delicious. Um, but like, you just got to be like hammered down twice baked potatoes for like ever. Like that's the only type of potato you could ever eat again. No more French fries. No more tater tots. No mashed potatoes. Nothing. Nothing of the sorts. I'd probably do French fries just because you could do so much with them. Right, French fries is a good option as well. But it's a little weird if you put french fries on a breakfast sandwich. Or you got like, you know what I mean? Like, you squish, you squish a hash brown, or you squish a, a tater tot, it's a little hash brown bite. No, I'm, st- I'm sticking with the, I'm sticking with french fries, dude. French, fr- uh, french fries is a great pick. Because you could, you could turn them into crinkle fries, you could turn them into steak cut fries. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can go different options, exactly. right? You can, yeah. You can, you can just do so much with it. Tater tots for me is, is the, is the correct pick, but... Hey, well, I mean, why don't you guys let us know what you think? Wait, one type of potato to eat for the rest of your life, what are you picking? But then again, at the same time, like, with the whole, like, buffalo chicken and the cheese and bacon and that kind of shit, like, you can do the same thing with fucking back to Tostitos chips. You could. Yeah, that, and that's kind of, like, my whole thing, too. But I could do, like, I could do, like, some crabby, you know, some crabby tater tots. I could do the same thing with fries. You could do the same See, thing I ne- with fries. See, I've never had, like, crab meat and tater tots before. I've, it's always been, like, crab meat and fries. Well, I mean, it is the same, same concept. Well, I, like, like, I know, but, like, tater tots are, like, different. They are a little different, but to me, I think you can dress up tater tots a little bit. But see, another problem is you can really fuck up tater tots bad. If you leave them in there just a little too long, they're, like, way too crunchy for their own good. I kind of like crunchy tater tots, though. But you don't get, like, you get nothing but, like, crunch, like, no tot. No, <laughs> no tater. It's nothing but just hot. (laughs) (laughs) 
the fact that you turned this down. What if? Okay, what if I made you pick one specific cut of French fry though? I can't. That wasn't. The, that wasn't the. That wasn't the, the. The game. But like, what? Like, what if that was the game? We're not playing that game. We could, but we're not. I'm just saying we could. We're we're not. I don't know. It's a fun question though. Probably stay cut though. You're going stay cut. That's mad. They're mad underrated. Steak cuts are underrated. You got to be careful with the steak cuts, though, because they can be undercooked, and then it's not great. But see, like, an undercooked potato doesn't really hurt anyone. No, I mean, you're not going to get, like, salmonella from it or anything right. like that. Right. It's, but... it's just, like, a potato's, like, real in your face. It's not like, it's like, it's like loosey-goosey to fall apart and all that shit. It's not like, it's not like crisp. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I respect the, I respect the french fries answer. Yeah. Mashed potatoes is a good answer, too, because there's plenty of different ways you can have mashed potatoes. I guess I'm my eye over here, but I'm still just trooping through it. Um, but see, like you like 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 mashed potatoes. That's like an easy like route around it because you do like cauliflower mash and you're good to go, and it tastes like the exact same. I mean, you put enough gravy on it, yeah. Like <laughs> like do, like like when I, like when I was meal prepping when I still worked at Lowe's, um, I would do like a buffalo chicken and like a cauliflower mash with like some cheese and bacon in it. Dude, cauliflower doesn't really taste like anything though, so like you're good. No, but like if you spice it up, like if you spice it up like it is a potato, yeah, it's top th- tier. Throwing shit that you need for it, you're good to go, man. Yeah, but I'm saying like, and that's it's why- the consistency. Like you can tell it's not a potato, but like if oh, I t- yeah. if I told you that it wasn't a potato, you would be like, wow, this is like a really really good. If you just fed it to me, didn't tell me the difference. Like if you you didn't tell me, I exactly. probably wouldn't notice. Exactly. Yeah. As long as you dress it up right. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But yeah, tater tots for me, you can eat tater tots with any meal. It's not weird. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, tater tots pe- are there for you. Pe- people will look at you strange if you do if you do it with fries, but like then again at the same time, like there's a way around it. You could like if you do like steak cut fries, you could like cut like a hole in the middle of them. Tater tot. Boom. Yeah, I mean there's there's always a workaround. That's but hard. I think this That's is a fun question. You, bitch. No, I wouldn't say that, but um this is a fun question. Like I said, let us know what you guys think. I yeah. just figured I'd hit you with it. I got I got plenty more questions in the bank. Okay, well, maybe we'll get to another one later in the episode. Who knows? Who knows? But it's a great Tuesday here. We've hashed out favorite type of potato. Yep. Sure um, have. The playoffs started. Mm-hmm. They went on this weekend. Mm-hmm. I had a terrible weekend. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the games. Thank God. I think, I think most of our listeners did have a terrible weekend as well. Um, of course, that game will be discussed last. Because there's so much to go into it. Um, but yeah, let's... Um, I don't know how the fuck I'm looking at the MLB right now. Give me a second so I can look at the playoff bracket. That's sick. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's just let's just start it off with uh, the first game of the weekend. Um, you had the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Levi Stadium. Uh, this game this game uh, was close for a while until until the fourth quarter. Got away from the Seahawks. Um, yeah, it was it was a good game. I mean, Sam Fram jumped out early, ten nothing lead. Um, Seattle bounced back, had a great second quarter. Yes, it did. Seventeen point second quarter. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, it was. It was a good game. Kenneth Walker scored. It was seven to ten. Robbie Gold kicked a field goal. It was seven to thirteen. Um, next, you know, DK Metcalf fifty yard touchdowns. Fourteen thirteen. Robbie Gold another field goal. Um, make it sixteen fourteen, and then. Here comes Seattle as uh, two plays, 24 yards, get into field goal range here. 
Robbie Gold or Jason Myers made a 56-yard field goal. Give him the lead at halftime, 17-16. Who would have thought Seattle was winning at halftime? Not fucking me. Yeah. And ultimately, um, you know, San Francisco ended up outscoring Seattle 25-6 to in the second half. With that six kind of being garbage time. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the six was in garbage time. So they, re- they really just took control of the... Um, of the fourth quarter, uh, didn't give um, didn't give Seattle a chance. Final score forty one to twenty three. Um, Seattle is going on to take to play the Cowboys. That's a game we'll touch on here in just a minute as well. You mean San Fran? San Fran against the Cowboys. What did I say? Seattle. I meant to say San Fran. I'm sorry. Um, Brock Purdy had a very very good game. Eighteen to thirty for three hundred thirty two yards and three touchdowns. He also added sixteen yards and another touchdown on the ground. Um, Chris McCaffrey is really all over the place here in this game. Uh, 15 carries, 119 yards, a, ca- a long of 68. He also had a two catches for 17 yards and a tutty. Um, touchdowns were also scored by Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel as well. Um, if you look over at what Seattle did, Geno Smith had a very, very good game. 25-35, 253 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Kenneth Walker was their, was their leading rusher. Uh, 15 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. And then, I mean, re- really the standout performance, I think, from the game, outside of what Brock Purdy did, was definitely DK Metcalf. Um, 10 catches on 13 targets, 136 yards, two touchdowns, including that, just and including him showing off his track speed on the 50, on that 50-yarder. But ultimately, um, this was a game that people thought was just going to be way too insurmountable for the Seattle Se- Seattle Seahawks to do anything with. Yeah. And it ultimately proved correct. Yeah, I mean, they made it a game early, and then it spiraled quickly for them. San Fran ran away with it. DK Metcalf had a hell of a game. He he gave it everything he had to get the dub. Um, yeah. I, I could tell Geno Smith really wanted it as well. I think he said he plans on being back as long as they'll have him back. Like, he wants another shot at and it. I think, I think they will. He, he, he's he, earned it. Yeah, he definitely earned a spot in order to in order to come back. Whether he's able to replicate what he did this year or not, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. The offensive line will get better. They're going to add more to the offense as well. Um, so they definitely will be able to attempt to replicate what they did this year, if not even build on it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get some defensive help there. Defense is going to get some... I mean, they need a little bit of help on the defensive line yeah. and get some more pressure there. Those two corners, Tyreek, uh, Tariq Woolen and uh, Kobe Bryant, seem to be okay for the most part. I mean, they're rookies. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they showed their experience there. They need a little bit of safety help, if you ask me. That's, that's just my opinion. And then, yeah, they absolutely need to solidify that offensive line mm-hmm. more. But... Congratulations to the 49ers. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, this was, I mean, not not to the not to the tune of what it was, but you know, this was kind of an expected outcome for me. Um, you know, I I think I think San Francisco is the best team in the NFL. Um, so I so this was definitely something that I expected them to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll move on to the uh, Saturday night game. This was a great game. Yeah. Um. Dude, I don't, I don't know what to tell you other than, uh, other than I think, I think it's safe to say I told you so. I trust Doug Peterson more than I trust Brandon Staley, and if you ask me, that's what it came down to. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so just, just to recap, um, Los Angeles got out to a twenty-seven to seven lead. Trevor Lawrence had the three inter- or four interceptions in the first half before he even threw his first touchdown, but. When he flipped the switch, he flipped the switch. I swear, Doug Peterson had to like have him in the locker room. It was just beating the hell out of him. 
they had like a they had like a makeup artist on scene to like cover it up. Doug Peterson had to have just beaten the hell out of him in the locker room. Yeah, so the Jacksonville Jaguars he raced that twenty seven to seven lead and ended up winning the game thirty one to thirty on a game winning field goal. Uh, as time expired. Yeah, they just chipped away at it in the second half. There. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the big play was really highlighted by the fourth, uh, by the fourth down play, where uh, they decided to go to ETN and probably one of the best play calls I've ever seen. Much better than what I saw from the Ravens, but that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um. So yeah, just to go over go over performance. Uh, Trevor Lawrence went twenty eight of forty seven for two hundred eighty eight yards, four touchdowns, four <laughs> interceptions. Uh, Travis Etienne had 20 of the 21 carries uh, for 109 yards. Trevor Lawrence had the other one. Um, touchdowns were caught by Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Marvin Jones. So the, so their top four guys all got involved, which that's I mean that's a recipe for success. Your top four playmakers there, or top really top five, including Etienne, uh, who who only had one catch, but um he. Had 109 yards rushing. Those are your top five playmakers. Well, yeah, I mean, I went, they went out and spent all that money on, I think, every single one of them. Uh, Maybe not Marvin Jones. Yeah, I think Marvin Jones was there last, last but year. But they spent money on Zay Jones. They spent a shit ton of money on Christian Kirk. And they spent money on Evan Ingram to bring him in, too. They spent money on all of them. All three of them came to came to play, um, especially Evan Ingram, seven catches on ninety three for 93 yards. Christian Kirk, eight for 78. Zay Jones, eight for 74. I mean... They showed up. They showed out. Now, you need you need multiple people to show up in playoff games. Yep. It's not just a one man army. Yeah, and then on the flip side of the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert went twenty five of forty three, two hundred seventy three yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler thirteen carries, thirty five yards, two touchdowns, and then your lone touchdown catcher for the Chargers was Gerald Everett. Um, he had he had six catches for one hundred nine and a touchdown. Keenan Allen also had six catches, sixty one yards. Um, I mean, they, I mean, they de- they definitely missed um, Mike Williams in this game. You know, they needed the guy to go to late in the game in order to try and in order to really move the ball to get them an opportunity to score more points. And that used to be Keenan Allen at one point. Yeah, but, but then but, you had the addition of a six-five receiver from Clemson and Mike Williams. That's a go-get a guy. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I mean, yes, he he is six-five, but you know, he does possess he does possess four-four speed as well. So, you know, six-five, four-four. Four four speed, you know that's definitely a um, it's definitely a tough combination in order to keep it bay. So um, you know, missing Mike Williams, you know, it definitely hurt the Chargers, and ultimately that was the demise of um, of the game for them, blowing such a big lead. Yeah, that's third was... third largest lead in playoff history. That's what I told you, man. I, I mean, I told you I had a feeling, had a gut feeling, it was going to be Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley, and I like Doug Peterson being a Super Bowl-winning head coach, being in the playoffs before. I liked him more than I liked Brandon Staley and the inexperience of the Los Angeles Chargers and that coaching staff. And then I ultimately told you, I think it's going to come down to the Mike Williams thing. Mike yeah. Williams, I believe, would would be the difference maker in this game. Uh, and he just wasn't there for him. No. And that's not his fault. That's Brandon Staley's fault for playing him in a meaningless Week 18 game. Who... The Chargers teams, like the players, they're backing him. They want Brandon Staley back. And as far as I can tell, they're planning on bringing him back. They did fire their offensive coordinator and QB coach uh, today. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting to see what they're going to do. But I, I can't imagine you bring Brandon Staley back after this, man. There were so many question marks going into the – like he saved his job by going into the playoffs. We're like, okay, well, it depends on this game. 
you're a defensive coach and you blew a 27-point lead, dude, I'm sorry, but that's grounds for firing when you were already on a hot seat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do agree. Um, I think heading into next season, he definitely does have the hottest seat in the NFL. That's if he doesn't get fired yet. That's I, if mean, he does. I, I mean, I, personally, I think he would have gotten fired by now. Um, here we are Tuesday. The game was Saturday. I, th- I think he would have gotten fired by now at this point. Um, but that is uh, that is just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it. I can't believe he still has a job, but he does. I don't get paid to make those decisions, so it is what it is. Uh, just, I mean, just a closing remark before we do start moving on to some to the Sunday games. Um, think about how far this Jacksonville team would be if they did not hire hire Urban Meyer. Think about how far ahead this team would be now at this point, because you know you hired you hired Doug Peterson, here, and you go from the worst team in the NFL to now one of the best eight. Yeah, you're playing in the divisional round. You're playing in the divisional round um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. You win your division. You know you have this massive comeback in this in the second half of a of a playoff game in order to win on your own home field. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how far along this team would end up being had they never hired Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban Meyer really, really set them back. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he helped them out. Maybe he. Uh... Wow, the AD, the ADHD is really winning over there. I don't know if you yeah. actually have it, but you were just I might hear r- really entranced in the water spinning in the water bottle over there. Yeah, sorry. Um, I don't know. Maybe he helped them out. He really taught them uh what not to do. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but I mean that that level. Toxicity for for a franchise, you know, it it, it does it does set you back. And I'm, it, you know, shout out to the Jaguars. I mean, they're my feel good story of the playoffs right now at this point. So I mean, they're they're who I'm pulling for now that um now that the Ravens have been eliminated. Um, of course, I think it's a little bit of a pipe dream with them heading into Arrowhead this Sunday or this Saturday, I should say. But with that said, Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game on a Saturday before. So there's a chance. There is a chance. I'm not saying it's a good chance, but. Um, but yeah, you can look that one up. He went five and zero in high school, thirty two and zero in college, and he's two and zero. Wait, something right, something right here. Hold up, wait a minute, <laughs> something right. But now he's 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 thirty seven and zero in his football career playing on Saturdays. Okay, so they're playing on Saturday again this week. Um, so who knows? Maybe we'll see a little bit more T Law magic. Maybe he can um squeak out um Patrick Mahomes and start establishing himself as a top five quarterback in the AFC. In the NFL, maybe. In the NFL, yeah. I mean you gotta give it to him in the NFL at that point. Yeah. But early game on Sunday, Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins. This was supposed to be a blowout and uh it was not. It was a hell of a lot closer than what people thought. Um I mean I mean the numbers really don't say that it was close. You know, if you look at total yardage Total yardage, 423 in favor of Buffalo, 231 for Miami. Yeah, I mean, they they out. They had way more yards than Miami did. They really did, but, you know, it, it all came down to uh, Josh Allen being reckless. Yeah, he had, what, two interceptions and one fumble? Yeah, that got housed. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo jumped out to a 17 nothing lead um, where... I mean, the Dolphins stormed back, made it a 17-17 game. Buffalo went in, and it proves to be the difference maker. Uh, they went six plays for 54 yards, kicked a field goal to go into half with four seconds left on the clock. Um, take a 20-17 to 17 lead at halftime. And then it was just kind of back and forth. Um, like you said, uh, Josh Allen had that, uh, that strip sack, um, returned for a touchdown. Now it's 24-20 to 20 Dolphins. Um, <clears throat> next thing you know, the uh, Bills scored two touchdowns, uh, six yards to Cole Beasley and 23 to Gabe Davis 
take a 34 to 24 lead. Jeff Wilson scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it a three point game, but ultimately Miami's not able to get those three points back. Um, but dude, I mean, hell of a coaching job for Mike McDaniel to go out there with Skylar Thompson in the playoffs. Um, and make this game competitive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, a lot of people thought this game was going to be a blowout. Myself included. Us us included. Um, but, I mean, this this kind of just goes to show, I think, that... Um, I, think, I, think, I think it goes to show two things. Number one, you know, you play a, you play a team three times, it's going to be close. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be close. It's, 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 been, it's been proven every time except for the... Um, Niners and Seahawks. Yeah. Um, but I mean it, it 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 just goes to show that, you know, division games and playoffs, you know, they're always they're always gonna be close. But I think this also goes to show that the Miami Dolphins that we saw in the beginning part of the season was a little bit of a fluke. And I mean you and I you and you and I even kinda of said that. I mean, we 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 were saying that, you know, give us the Dolphins again if we have the possibility to even win the division. You know, give us the Dolphins. We want the Dolphins because I think I think we would have beaten the hell out of the Dolphins. Oh yeah, I wanted had, had had we played them. Um, but you know the Dolphins' defense just wasn't up to snub. Um, and you know Skylar Thompson, he's just he he's just, he's just not he's not Tua. No, he's, he's not. not. He's not Tua Loa. One guy, one guy won national titles at um at Alabama. Another one was uh quarterback at Kansas State. So um. All in all, good win by the Bills. Uh, little stat recap: uh, Josh Allen went twenty-three to thirty-nine for 352 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he did he did add four carries for twenty yards as well, as well as a fumble. Um, split splitting carries: Devin Singletary and James Cook. Uh, one had ten carries to twelve respectively, forty-eight, thirty-nine yards, and James Cook had the lone touchdown. Take a look at the receiving numbers. I mean, this is this is really. What Buffalo's bread and butter is. Uh, Stephon Diggs, seven catches, 114 yards. Uh, Gabe Davis, six catches, 113 yards, and a tutty. Uh, Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox also scored. Flip it over to the Miami Dolphins. Skylar Thompson, 18 of 45. 220 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Jeff Wilson, 10 carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. I mean, they couldn't run the ball whatsoever. Um, so it's definitely... Um, Definitely going to be a struggle, and then they did a really good job against those wide receivers. I mean, Jalen Waddle went three and a half, went two and a half quarters without even having a catch. Tyreek Hill led the team with seven catches for sixty nine yards. Um, drops were also a problem for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, they definitely had a case of the dropsies over there. I'm also looking. Did you see that Josh Allen fumbled the ball three times but lost one? I know like bad snaps count as a fumble by Josh Allen, so I don't I don't know how that happened. But three fumbles by Josh Allen, only lost one though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, recklessness is. I mean, I, I, I literally just said it a few minutes ago. Um, reckless, recklessness has been synonymous with Josh Allen throughout his career. Well, like my thing is, is like Brian Dable did a fantastic job of reeling him in and cutting back on the turnovers, which was what he was. He did a lot of when he started out. Now Brian Dable is the head coach of the Giants, and what has Brian Dable done for Daniel Jones, who was turnover prone at the beginning of his play of his uh, career here? He cut down the turnovers for Daniel Jones. 
Now he's got Daniel Jones throwing for over 300 yards in a playoff game. I think it's safe to say that it was more Brian Dable than it was Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen had the talent all along. He just needed somebody to unlock it for him. But now, I mean... Now with Dable gone, it seems like he's reverting back to those tendencies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the problem is that is that um, what's his name? Ken Dorsey. No, the coach. Sean McDermott. McDermott. I I, I wanted to say McVeigh. I knew that wasn't right. That's why I didn't, that's why I didn't say it. That was not right. Um, but uh, Sean McDermott kind of just lets Josh Allen do what Josh Allen wants to do, and that's that's the problem. So you 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 don't have anybody to reel him in and tell him like, hey, look, you're being really really fucking reckless. <laughs> And I mean, like, people always talk about Lamar Jackson. Oh, he keeps running, he's going to get hurt. He keeps running, he's going to get hurt. Well, Josh Allen thinks he can barrel over everybody. Eventually, Josh Allen's going to break his clavicle doing stuff like this. That was weirdly specific. Well, I mean, he's always trying to load with the shoulder on people. You're right. The shoulder's a little bit harder of a bone than your clavicle is, so. Or dislocate his shoulder. He'll do something, but the like the Josh Allen brand of football that he is that he's doing right now, while while it's very it's it's working, but he he's got, he's got to refine it a little bit in order to remain sustainable. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. It's uh, it's one of those things. I think I think it's more Dable than than Allen. I like Josh Allen. I do, but I think it's more Dable than Allen, and that gets us to the second game of Sunday, the Giants going into the number three seed Minnesota Vikings. Um, this was upset alert central. This is the, I chose the Giants over the Vikings. Um, I thought this I thought this was going to turn out pretty similar to the way it did. Uh, Giants won 31-24. Yeah, uh, definitely a great game by Daniel Jones. Um, he, really, he really established the fact that, hey, um, I may not have worked out my first few years here with the Giants, and it was looking like, I mean, it was really looking like they were going to move off of them. I mean, I think in our mock draft, we even... Um, this is this is before the the past NFL draft. We even considered them possibly taking a quarterback. I know you were you were pounding the Tyrod Taylor drum at the beginning part of the season as well. I was. Um, but I mean, it just goes to show that uh, Brian Dable's a very very good very has has a very good wave of quarterbacks. Um, he really unlocked Daniel Jones' potential. I mean, I don't think I don't think the I could be wrong, but I don't think the Giants turned the ball over at all. Um, I don't know, but I'm looking at it here. So, uh, Minnesota jumped out early, seven nothing, scored a touchdown, one yard touchdown run by Kirk Cousins. Um, uh, next thing you know, Saquon Barkley, literally the next drive, Saquon Barkley uh, busted out a 28 yard touchdown run, tied up seven to seven. Um, and then to finish out the first quarter, Isaiah Hodgins, 14 yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones, making a 14 seven game. Um, Graham Gano kicked a field goal. Um, with three minutes, three and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Give him a ten point lead, then KJ Osborne scored a touchdown, make it seventeen fourteen going into half. Um, next thing you know, Daniel Bellinger nine yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones, uh, back up by ten points. Irv Smith caught a touchdown, make it a three point game again. Um, Greg Joseph kicked a field goal with twelve and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, tie it up twenty four to twenty four, and the difference maker was Saquon Barkley on a two yard touchdown run, give him the thirty one to twenty four lead. Um, Proved to be the difference maker, Saquon Barkley. Um, I'm happy he got a playoff win, man. I like Saquon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Giants caught a lot of scrutiny when they did draft the running back number two overall uh, in, in 2018. Uh, considering the fact they needed the quarterback, there were so many quarterbacks there, they decided to go with what I who I thought was the best player in the draft in Saquon Barkley. Um, 
and now it's working out for him. A guy, a guy who's had some injury issues uh, throughout his career. Um, now he's back. He's, I mean, nine carries for 53 yards. I think they underutilized him, in all honesty. They could have used him a little bit more. Um, but, you know, two touchdowns. Like you said, that ended up being the difference. Yeah, well, I mean, they were just kind of letting Daniel Jones do his thing. They were letting him pop off and cook. I mean, he was 24-35 for 301 yards and two touchdowns. He also had 17 carries for 78 yards. I mean, they literally let Daniel Jones go one one receiver, two receiver run. I mean, like Daniel Jones was out of the pocket within four seconds, I think, on the majority of plays. Yeah, and, and you know, something else, something else that's worth considering, you know, as far as the Giants go, I mean, this is a team that, in, in addition to the Detroit Lions, who didn't make the playoffs, this is the one team that I'm hoping fucks it up if you're the rest of the NFL. Like, I pray, like if you're the rest of the NFL, you pray they mess it up. Because if Daniel Jones has this kind of confidence in a primetime game on the road, hostile environment against a team that was, who was supposed to win. Yeah, I mean, they were 11-0 in one-score games. Right, they were 11-0 they were in one-score games. They had, I mean... The Giants really should have had no business being in this game at all. But, of course, now you have Daniel Jones doing what he's doing um, with nothing as far as receivers go. I mean, their their highest-paid wide receiver had, what, six catches on the whole year? They traded away Kadarius Toney, which made no fucking sense. Yeah, it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Sterling Shepard tears his ACL. Right, so now you look at Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, and Ricky James. Richie. Richie, sorry. But yeah, I mean, dude, the big story I think of this is uh, is the New York defense and that Wink Martindale defense. I mean, Minnesota's longest play was 28 yards, and that was to TJ Hawkinson, their leading receiver. Don't get me wrong, TJ Hawkinson, hell of a tight end. Um, but I mean, they held Justin Jefferson seven catches on nine targets for 47 yards. You let Adam Thielen have uh, three catches for 50 yards. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I mean, they were just keeping everything underneath. Dalvin Cook, 15 carries for 60 yards. Didn't give up a ton in the run game there. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 31-39, 273 yards and two touchdowns. That's a damn good game. Eight incompletions, very efficient. He was, I mean, he was getting the ball out. He was completing it, completing passes. Um, that fourth down play where he checked it down to TJ Hawkinson, it was like a fourth and eight. He throws the ball four yards. It made no it sense. Didn't make a ton of sense to me, but, I mean, I don't know what everything looked like downfield. I don't know what he was seeing. Um I like to imagine that Kirk Cousins being an NFL quarterback uh, can see the field a little bit better than I can. I like to imagine that. Um, but sometimes it seems like they don't. But I don't know what they see right, in the exactly. pocket. Things moving, helmet on. You can't see everything that the camera can see. Right. Um, I, I like to imagine that Kirk Cousins looked at the field and he was like, shit, this is the only chance. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, to Kirk Cousins, Credit, you know, he played a really, he played a very, very solid game as well. 31, 31 to 39, 273 yards, two touchdowns. He also had one carry for one yard and one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, you look at that and you, you will, you think the Minnesota defense can keep the New York Giants offense under 30 points. I mean, you can't let Isaiah Hodgins have eight catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. No. Um, you can't let Daniel Jones be the leading passer in the game and the leading rusher in the game. I mean, yeah. Daniel Jones had a phenomenal game. Um, and good on him. I think that I'm. I think that's the Brian Dable coaching. Brian Dable had those men ready to play Saturday or Sunday, and uh, I think it showed. Yeah, and I mean, as as long as Brian Dable is there in New York, Daniel Jones is going to have a job there. Daniel Jones it has rightfully earned not top dollar, but Daniel Jones is going to get paid this offseason. 
in addition to Saquon Barkley. I mean, those are two guys that the Giants need to keep on their team in order to have sustained success. I mean, the Giants were kind of a team that were written off very, very early because we're thinking, oh, okay, rookie head coach Daniel Jones. Yeah, that ain't going to work out very well. But go figure. Now here we are saying that Daniel Jones is actually deserving of a contract. Um, and now they're playing in the divisional round with really no, virtually no help whatsoever wide receiver. And I'll be honest, I think they kind of have a chance in this game coming up too. I think they do too. You know, you, I mean, it all comes back around to this is the third time you've played a team. They lost to Philly the first time and they got blown out. The second, the second time it was close, but the Giants rested their starters. Yeah, they were they were resting players. Right. I mean, they they had they had nothing to play for, and Philadelphia had everything to play for. Now they're coming off a very they're coming off a very probably a very emotional win. You know, beating Minnesota on the road, they're probably they're probably over the fucking moon that they that they did that. Now you're heading into Philadelphia, who's been off for a week. You know. Trust me, New Jersey and Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Philadelphia aren't far away. No, they're not traveling far at all. Nope. Um, this is going to be a divisional matchup. We'll get we'll get to those games anyway. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday night game. The game I was probably I I don't say probably I was dreading talking about the most. Um, simply because, and I know we're Ravens fans, but I do not think the better team won this game. I think Cincinnati had everything just kind of fall their way that like. Like legitimately, if if one or two of these things go differently, I think the outcome of this game is is entirely different. Um, two more so than the other two. Um, anyway, uh, start the game off. Tyler Huntley throws an interception. I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. I'm like it's starting already. Defense locks him up, holds him to three points. I'm like, all right, hey, here we go. Um, that was the first, entire first quarter. It was just that field goal. Next thing you know, uh, start of the second quarter. Um, Bengals started off with a seven-yard touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. Um, Evan, McPherson, Evan McPherson missed the extra point, so at this point, Bengals are up 9 nothing. Uh, Ravens move the ball down the field, throw a little dump-off pass to J.K. Dobbins. He scores the touchdown, 7-9. to And then uh, right before half, Justin Tucker kicks a field goal, giving Baltimore a 10-9 lead going into half. Baltimore did get the ball at the start of the second half, did nothing with it. Um, Five minutes left in the third quarter. Joe Burrow, one-yard touchdown run, giving them a 17-10 to lead. Um, and then just three minutes later, Demarcus Robinson absolutely torched Eli Apple on a sluggo route. For those of you who don't know, that is a slant and go. Um, and that was a 41-yard touchdown by Demarcus Robinson, tying the game up. <sighs> and then the fourth quarter happened. Yeah, seemingly at that point, you know, the Ravens, you know, the defense is playing incredibly well. I mean, after after that touchdown, you know the Ravens give up one first down the rest of the game. So I mean, the, I mean the defense the defense is playing outstanding. They get the ball back and we're moving the ball. You feel like okay, this is the Ravens game. This is this is in the Ravens control now at this point. Um, third and one from the two yard line, one and a half yard line, whatever you want to call it. Um, call QB sneak um, rather than what the play was intended. And Tyler Huntley going low and being pushed by people behind him. He decides to go high. And try to go over the top. Uh, ball gets punched out right in the same Hubbard's hands, and he runs it back 98 yards uh, for the touchdown that ended up being the difference maker. Um, I mean, the I mean the Ravens had chances after that. Um, I mean, they had a ball go off James Prochet's fingertips that um, you know really made it hurt a little bit more. But um, 
Well, I mean, just everything there. I mean, the the fact that Tyler Huntley decided to take it over the top, it fell right into Sam Humber Sam Hubbard's hands, who ran it eight ninety who ran it in ninety eight yards away. Uh, Mark Andrews not getting called with the block in the back on him while he was trying to run him down. Uh, they also came out and said that was the fastest Mark Andrews have ever run in his career. I mean, he was hustling, dude. Yeah. He was he was giving everything he got to go get him. Um, he got blocked in the back, didn't get called. That could have fucked us, too. I mean, legitimately, the way the defense was playing, we could have held them to three, and the whole game is different. Yeah, the whole game's different. Um, you know, the whole ending of the game, the Ravens really, really screwed the pooch on how they ended this game. Um, but like I said, that play happens. That's a 14-point swing to give Cincinnati the uh, the seven-point lead there. That fell into the that fell into their laps. That the ball went their way on that one. Um, Geno Stone dove to block a punt. He was about three inches away from blocking that punt when he bounced off the ground from diving. His legs kicked into the punter's leg. It's rough in the punter. Um, so that was a 15-yard penalty and automatic first down for Cincinnati. That drains more time off the clock. Um, Cincinnati, we punted the ball away. I mean, I mean, after after that. You know, <laughs> excuse me. After that, after that penalty committed by Geno Stone, the Ravens proceeded to get another three and out. Yeah, they they didn't give up another first down, but I mean that's another two minutes off the clock. Right. That that, that does mean something. Yeah. Um. You know, their their punt returner he fumbled the ball, and with like two or three Ravens around the ball, the ball just ever so gently just bloop right out of bounds. So the Bengals retained possession on that one. I'm like, dude, you've got to I mean, be shitting me. That 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 was a t- that was a tough spot to try and expect the Ravens to make a play in just because it like it was right there it was right on the sideline so I mean they they literally would have had to like instantly reacted to the ball in order to in order to get it back right Right, but like I said it just gently rolls out of bounds Mm -hmm. like if that ball sits there that's the Ravens ball in in prime position there um and then like you said on the last game uh, the last play of the game uh Tyler Huntley throws it up on a Hail Mary um if James Prochet is three inches to the right he catches this ball um the tip ball went behind everybody James Prochet was back there by himself hit him right in the fingertips I said dude I think he's three inches to the right that's a catch we tie this game up um, we go into overtime, or we have a chance at scoring on the two-point conversion, which I think would be stupid if we did it. Um, I think you, you just take it into overtime, knowing the way your defense has been playing. We'd get a look at the new overtime rules in the playoffs where everybody gets at least one possession. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, it just everything went the Bengals' way. It wasn't the, it wasn't the Ravens' day. Um, they played one hell of a game. The defense gave the offense every opportunity they had to win this game. Um, there was hope up until the end. Um, it was definitely a heartbreaking loss. I mean, this Ravens team defense is stout, great run game. Um, kind of abandoned it for no reason whatsoever, um, other than terrible play calling by our former offensive coordinator. Um, I only say former because he's not under contract for this upcoming season. And I swear to the good Lord above, if we renew it, we won't. I'm rampaging. Um, but I mean, dude, if you ask me, Tyler Huntley legitimately outplayed Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you you could ask me, I know Cincinnati's gonna be like, we came with a vanilla playbook in week week eighteen, whatever. You can make an argument that Anthony Brown outplayed Joe Burrow in week eighteen. Um, they completely abandoned the run game. I mean, Joe makes an eleven carries for thirty nine yards. Um, Samaj P. Ryan was in there for the majority of the game because the Ravens' pass rush was getting after Joe Burrow. He was sacked four times for twenty six yards. Yeah, it also doesn't help that for that for the Bengals, you know, you do lose Jonah Williams, who looks like he he, he I looks like a pretty significant knee injury, dislocated kneecap. That's a pretty significant knee injury. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that. I mean now they're now the Bengals are down three offensive linemen on their 
that that they had the entire year. Um, you know, you know the thing that really stings the most about this game is that, you know, nobody's really talking about, at least on the Bengals side, nobody's talking about you know how well this person played, how well that person played. You know, the whole narrative is Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard, which is which is the really depressing thing that one play was really what uh, what swung it not in our direction. I mean, now this is the second year, this is now the second time in the playoffs in a row where we fell victim to a turnover within the five that goes back the other way and costs us a game. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really heartbreaking way for the Ravens to lose. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I've, talk, I've talked to a lot of people about this. Ravens fans, not Ravens fans. A lot of people agree with me. The better team did not win that game. Yeah, I'm trying not to be biased about it. I just, like, legitimately, I think the Ravens were the better team. Uh, they had a better defensive game plan. They, you know, we had more yards than the Cincinnati Bengals did. Um, we had, I believe we had more first downs. Like, I think we won the time of possession well, and break, everything like I'll, that. I'll break it all, I'll break yeah, it all down for break you. Break it down for me, please. I'm, Yard, I'm begging you. Yardage-wise, we had 364 to do to their 234. So we had a whole 130 yards of offense more than they did. Time of possession, 32 minutes and 26 seconds for the Ravens. 27 minutes and 34 seconds for the Bengals. 23 first downs for the, for the Ravens. 18 first downs for the Bengals. The Ravens went 3 of 11 on, th- on third down. The Bengals went 7 of 13. Okay, so they were better on third down. All right. Better on third down. Well, we went 2 of 3 on fourth down. They went 0 of 0. So, um, penalties. We had 4 for 36. They had 7 for 42. Uh, turnovers. We ended up having 2 as opposed to their 1. <coughs> we both punted the ball 3 times. Um, but, of course, it all came down to red zone efficiency. They were 2 for 2. We were 1 for 4. Yeah, I mean, that's been the big thing for the Ravens as of late is they just, their red zone efficiency is terrible. Um, and then it, it's just that Sam Hubbard play. That Sam Hubbard play it was just, that was it. That was the difference maker. Um, and I think that's just, personally, I think that's just a lucky play. It wasn't it wasn't a great play by Sam Hubbard. He was just at the right place at the right time if you're a Cincinnati fan. No, I mean, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you. You know, if, if you if you take a look at what if at what Cincinnati was actually doing after they scored the first, after they scored the touchdown, um, you know they you know we go right down the field and we score. Two minutes forty nine seconds, five plays, eighty one yards. The Ravens score. They turn around and go three now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, dude, the like- Ravens have the ball. They drive it eighty yards, just to have just to have to turn around and. Well, I mean, and like the whole the whole outlook of the game changes in that scenario. So like let's say let's say Tyler Huntley does go low. He scores a touchdown. Obviously the Ravens are up twenty four to seventeen. Um the way our defense is playing, I think that's that would have been lock and key of the game. Let's say Tyler Huntley doesn't get it. He goes low, but he doesn't get it. It's fourth and one. You just kick the field goal, you take the points, you take the lead. You're up twenty to seventeen. Defense is playing very well. Bengals could get into field goal range, right? right. And tie it up twenty to twenty potentially. Um but we can also move the ball into field goal range, having the luxury of having Justin Tucker. Our field goal range is significantly expanded versus other teams. Um, I mean, dude, just the other play call. I mean, if you don't take the quarterback keeper there, you give it to J.K. Dobbins. You give it to Gus Edwards. Hell, you could give it to Patrick Ricard for all I care. I mean, you got Gus Edwards averaging 3.3 yards a carry. That's your power back. That dude's, that dude's a sturdy 
sturdy gentleman. He can run a football hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you got J.K. Dobbins averaging 4.8 yards a carry. That's a dude, like, he's a little bit more patient, and he can find the right place to run the ball, but he can also hit up. He can also hit the gap pretty hard. I mean, you got Patrick Ricard, who's 320 pounds, yet here we are having him on a little out route from the fullback position, and we're trying to flare it over a pass rush, and Tyler Huntley hits him in the ankles with it. Uh, the, the play calling for the Ravens was just not it at the end of the game. No, I mean, you know... I'm not a you know I'm not I'm not a sore loser. The Ra- the Ravens the Ravens lost the game. You know there, there's there's no other way to split it. Um you know watching watching pregame before the um before the Giants and the Seahawks game. You know they um you know people were Fox was picking the games and they um I think the closest that somebody had was I think Sean Payton said the rate uh we would lose by seven. So ultimately he was right, but like a lot of people were saying fourteen. Yeah, nobody gave us a shooting chance in hell. No, nobody, nobody gave the Ravens a chance in hell at this game. And the crazy thing is, is that we were literally one yard away from the game being completely different. Tyler Huntley scores. Who knows? Bengals take control of the game. They went after that. Who knows? Who 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 knows what happens? But based on based on what I saw, based on the way the defense was playing, based on the way we were moving the ball, based on the way that we were running the ball, we had 155 yards of of with running the ball. Based on what based on what I was seeing, if the Ravens take the lead, they don't lose it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean based on what I've seen, the Ravens shot themselves in the foot. There's no other way to say it. The Ravens lost this game. The Bengals may have the Bengals may have gotten the win, but they didn't win. The Ravens lost this game. I I agree with you and I'm trying I like I try to I try to be pretty uh objective in, in what I say. I try not to be too much of a homer. Uh, right. But, I mean, yeah, dude, I definitely agree um, that the better team won every, the other five games this weekend. Five out of the six best teams won this weekend, and this was the one that the better team didn't win. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, everybody, I mean, the narrative after the Week 18 game was, oh, the Bengals are, the Bengals are going to show the Ravens something. They owe the Ravens something. I didn't see it. I did, like I did I did not see shit. I mean, people people throw Joe Burrow on this massive pedestal saying he's the, like the greatest thing that has ever happened to the Cincinnati Bengals, which he may be. I've never seen it. I I personally I don't watch a lot of Bengals games. I've watched 5 in my like I've watched 5 in the last 2 years. All 5 have been against the Ravens. He beat like he, they beat up on us at home. They beat up against the third stringers, and they're in their home building. The Ravens held them in check in game one this year, held them in check in game two, held them in check in game four or game three. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh it 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 was it was a crushing blow. Um, I mean personally, the Ravens weren't set to make a Super Bowl run this year. Um, they had a very tough, uh, very tough road ahead of them, um, facing the Chiefs and then having to play the winner of it would have been the Bills and the Jaguars. Um, then we, we probably would have had to beat the Bills. Then we're gonna play the winner of the NFC, and that's gonna be either the Eagles or the Forty ers I mean, that's a that's a tough road, man. That yeah. that is a tough road. Um, there's so many question marks around Lamar Jackson, which we will get to. Um, that was uh, let's just be honest, the Ravens. I love them. They weren't set to win a Super Bowl this year. Mm-mm. Uh. 
defense was great. Ron Gain was great. Um, unfortunately, the handicap was uh, was Greg Roman, and we'll see what happens. But we'll get to last night's matchup, Monday night matchup. I know you took Tampa Bay to win this. You were you were hesitant to bet against Tom Brady, um, which is typically a smart move. Um, but I had a gut feeling Dallas was going to win this game, and uh, yeah, Dallas jumped their ass and never looked back. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dallas, Dallas really took control from the from the jump, and um, to my surprise, you know, Dak Prescott didn't shit the bed um, like I thought he was going to. Dak Prescott arguably had his best game in of, of his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he he really did almost have the best game of his career, and um, you Who, know, we ended up taking care of Tom Brady and the Patriots, sending them, sending them, sending them home early. Um, you know, I mean, just based on the Dak Prescott that I saw when they were playing the Commanders, you know, if that was the Dak Prescott that was going to show up again, I thought no chance in hell. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough to bet on a team after you see them shit the bed that hard. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they jumped out to a 24 nothing lead, and they was only 24 nothing simply because Brett Maher um, forgot how to kick a field goal. Should have been 28 nothing. He missed four extra points. He missed four straight extra points. It was just insanity. Um, but... Tampa Bay was trying to get something started. They uh thirty yard touchdown pass to Julio Jones at the end of the third quarter, making it twenty four to six. Because they went for two to try to dive back into it. Um, because it's only a three possession game at that point. I mean, you get three touchdown, three three two point conversions. It's tie game. So right. they were trying. They failed. It was twenty four to six. Um, next thing you know, they blow the coverage. Ceedee Lamb walks into the end zone on an eighteen yard pass from Dak Prescott. Um, Brett Maher does make this one though. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him making a thirty-one to six game. Uh, there were two minutes left in the game. Cameron Brate scores an eight-yard touchdown, making it thirty-one to fourteen as your final score. Um, this was Dallas from the jump. Tampa Bay just looked lost and confused, which is kind of concerning because a they have n- they are negative by far into the salary cap for next year, mm-hmm. and b dude their veterans just look confused. I mean, Mike Evans was running left when Tom Brady was throwing the ball right. Uh, Chris Godwin and Tom Brady were the two. They, I mean, they were on they were on the same page. But outside of that, I mean, dude, it was, I mean, Mike Evans six catches on eleven targets for seventy four yards. I mean, that's not bad in the yards category. But yeah, I mean, this uh, this Buccaneers team, their offense was pretty shoddy from from throughout the entire season. They showed glimpses like they could potentially get it together at the end of the season. Um, and then they just, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're going to be packing it in early. Um, they have a lot, they have a lot of questions as far as what they're going to end up doing. So, um, you know, that'll be very interesting for them to see what they're going to do. Is time, is time Brady going to stick around? Are you going to stick around with Todd Bowles? They already moved on from Byron Leftwich, um, which is a little surprising to me. Um, but ultimately, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of decisions to make. Um, and Dallas just expedited that process. Um, now, now Dallas is going to go to San Francisco. Um, people are saying this game is going to be close than what people think. I don't think it is. Um, I think Dak Prescott has one good game in him, and I think he just, I think he just spent it. Because the problem, problem with Dallas is, you know, they can't really run the ball too well either. You know, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he, I mean, last I checked, I don't, I don't know what he did now at this point, but he was averaging an abysmal one point one yards per carry. Him and Tony Pollard ran the ball pretty well last night. It wasn't bad. Um, but they're I mean, they're gonna need to do they're gonna be they're gonna need to be more than not bad in order to beat the 
the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I somebody's got to be great there. Right. All these games that are coming up here this weekend, you know, we're going to highlight all of them on Friday. Um, but that was our recap from this past weekend. Super wild card, super wild card weekend. Um, I don't know why Jim Nance and Tony Romo were making fun of it. Were they? Yeah. Interesting. Tony Romo's like, I don't know what's so super about it. Because there's more games, idiot. Exactly. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you put the, you, you don't put the square block in the circle hole. He's an idiot. I think I think he's the I think he's the dumbest announcer in, in all of sports. More than Chris Collinsworth. Worse than Collinsworth. Booker, Booker McFarlane. Booker McFarlane's just stupid. He doesn't call games anymore. I can t- I can tolerate Booker McFarlane because you don't have to hear him all throughout the game. Dude, I want Joe Tessator back. I love Joe Tessator. Joe Tessator can't keep his job. Look, you're ESPN should have known they were making a mistake when they hired Joe Tessator to hire him in, to call him in the football because he sat next to Rod Riggle calling mini golf. I love Joe Tessator. They should have known they were making a mistake with that one. Putting him in a booth with Booker, that was just like a disaster. Joe Tessator was good though. Booker McFarlane was like an idiot. Like we make fun of him all the time. He's like he's like two chromosomes short of like the brain capacity of like an alpaca. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's uh, oh, I mean, we'll we'll dive more into the games coming up. But this weekend, uh, the early game on Saturday, Jacksonville going into Kansas City at four thirty on NBC. Um, Saturday night is the New York Giants at Philadelphia at eight fifteen on Fox. Those are switched for some reason. It's the weirdest thing, but it is what it is. Um. Cincinnati at Buffalo, 3 o'clock, CBS on Sunday, and then Dallas at San Francisco is at 6.30 Sunday evening on Fox. Those are the four games. Uh, should be four very good games. We'll find out. Yep. Well, again, we'll, we'll highlight all those when we get to, um, when we get to our Friday episode. Um, like I said, we just wanted to go ahead and recap those. Maybe cry a little bit. <coughs> uh I didn't cry. I was rather upset. It was simply just because we lost to the Bengals. Yeah, I was. I was. I was pretty pissed off. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I know when James when it hit, the ball hit James Brochet in the hands, I yelled, "James Brochet, no!" And the cats got scared. I was like, "It's okay. It's okay. It's all over now. It's fine. We're fine. I just have to go lower my blood pressure for the next hour, but it's fine. Everything's okay." Like, of course. So, I, so I was at Steph's house watching the game and. Um, I was sitting on the couch next to her, and her dad and her brother were sitting on, like, I guess, like a like a little love seat they have. Yeah. Um, and um, Steph and Steph and her brother, they're not as like involved in football. Like Steph, Steph, of course, understands it, but she's not like huge on it. Sure. Um, she watches. She like if I wasn't watching, she wouldn't watch it. Um, so her and her brother were like sending funny Snapchats to each other back and forth. And they were like laughing the whole time, and I was like watching the game. Well, toward the end of the game, they stopped. They were, they actually started watching the game. Her bro- her brother's not very big into sports. Um, that's just not his forte. He even said to me after the game, he's like, he's like, yeah, it sucks. I'm sorry, Jake. Yeah, it does suck. Because I mean, I, I mean, like it like it doesn't take a rocket science to see how like just like see how close a team gets to actually winning a playoff game like that. I mean, a game that means so much to so many people. I mean, th- I mean, this was. This was a tough one to swallow for me. I've 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 witnessed a lot of tough losses by the Ravens. Um, you know, you you almost get numb numb to them, you know, to a certain extent. You almost think to yourself, okay, you know what, whatever, it is what it is. Yeah, this one hurt a little different. 
Yeah, it definitely stung, but we'll move on because uh, yep. we do have some other topics to talk about. Real quick, just wanted to touch on it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh announced that he is going to stay at Michigan. He's not coming to the NFL. Um, he was probably the hottest head coaching hire coming up. I think Sean Payton, him and Sean Payton, um, although I know you don't see the hype around Sean Payton. I think it's just a head coach that's had success in the NFL, that knows the NFL. Um, I think that's why he's so hot. But yeah, John, uh, John Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh said he is going to stay at Michigan. Yeah, so that, that definitely cuts down on the pool of who, of like shortlist candidates for people. Um, ultimately, I think it's a good move for him to go back to Michigan instead of going to the NFL. I mean, I mean, it's the same thing with Saban at Alabama. You know, you can continue to be the best team in the country, and you can continue to get the best players. But if you want to get the best players, if you want to get the best young players to build around in the NFL, your team's got to suck. And if your team sucks too long, guess what? You'll be back in college. Yeah, you'll be back in college. And you have a salary cap in the NFL. You do not have that. You have a you have a scholarship number that you're that you're allowed to use, and that's it. Um. So yeah, ultimately, I think it's a good move by Jim by Jim Harbaugh. Um, which you can work around that now with NIL deals because you can just get right. kids NIL deals enough money to pay for tuition at the school. Right. Which was, which was almost, I think what was going to happen with CJ Stroud that, I mean, this wasn't a part of the, this wasn't a part of the topic of the conversation, but, uh, CJ Stroud was a late entry into the NFL draft. He actually did it on the day of the deadline. Um, so all the players that have now announced for the draft, that's it. Nobody else can could declare for it. Um, he waited until the last minute. People thought he was going to go back for classes, try and break records. Now that he's actually had a taste of success in the CFP, they thought he was going to come back and try and do it again. Ultimately, CJ Stroud is doing what is best for him. I think it's his. I think it's his best decision. I think it's. I think it's his best option. He is going to the. He is going to go to the NFL. Um, he'll be one of the top three quarterbacks picked, just depending on who who likes who. Um, our opinion is much higher than maybe some other people's opinion on CJ Stroud. I mean, he's my my QB two he's, coming up in the draft. He's also my QB two, and it's he's closer to Bryce Young than I think people think, in my opinion. Um, so ultimately, very good move by him. Um, had he stayed, I think he would have been in consideration to be the number one pick overall with Caleb Williams. I think he would have. You would have had to take a long, hard look at who's actually going to go number one. But ultimately, um, he will be a top ten pick. Um, in this upcoming draft, so good on him. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I don't think he could have helped his draft stock at all by by going back to another year. I think if anything, he could have potentially injured it some by you know by getting injured, um, or just not having the sustained success. I mean, he would have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. coming back to Ohio State, which is huge for the program. Of course, he's going to be a great uh, great wide receiver one day in the NFL, um, just like his dad was, but. Uh, yeah, I think Caleb Williams. I've heard a lot of rumors that Caleb Williams is going to be the number. He would be the first quarterback taken in this year's draft if he was eligible, which he is not. Um, but yeah, I mean, next year it's going to be Caleb Williams, Drake May um, as the the front runners for quarterback. Um, there are some other guys coming out too. Um, Sam Hart, Sam Hartman, Sam Doc, Hartman, yep, Devin Leary. Bo Nix. Bo Nix. A couple other guys. Of, of course. I think Spencer Rattler's going back to South Carolina for yeah, another year Spencer, as well. Spencer Rattler will be back. That's a very good move for him because he, he could play his way into first-round consideration because he had a really good year in South Carolina. Yeah, he, he ended the season very, very strongly. Um, they were putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, so that's a good move for him as well. But uh, we'll bounce back to uh, legitimately the NFL. Um, 
the biggest and I mean the absolute most talked about thing on sports media right now is Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Yeah. And what's next for Lamar Jackson? What's next for the Ravens? Is Lamar coming back? The salary, um, <clears throat> you know, the contract and everything like that. Was the, did the contract have anything to do with him not playing? Why wasn't he on the sidelines? What's the contract? The Ravens. What should they do? Move off of him? Sign him? What should he get paid? How much? Blah blah blah. All that nonsense. Um, so I ask you, what is next for the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Um. So 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 next thing is so, um. I will say this Thursday at two thirty. That is when the season-ending con- that is when the season-ending press conference is going to be held with EDC and John Harbaugh. I did see that. Yeah, at three o'clock they should be at the negotiating table with Lamar Jackson. I will say this: Lamar Lamar Jackson sent out on on his Instagram story today. If you follow Lamar Jackson, you probably saw it. Uh, he put two pictures on his Instagram story. One of one was the his back with a Ravens shirt in in his Ravens jersey. Um, and then another one was, I don't even know who the fuck it was, but they were sitting in a, in a Lamar Jackson uniform and all of a sudden it was loading. So, um, those seem like good signs. Um, he was also, he was, he also liked a tweet saying that we should be bringing back to Marcus Robinson, which I agree. Um, so him, him providing input on what the team should do, um, it's a very good sign that he is going to return. What is that number going to look like? I couldn't tell you. If they don't get a deal done, at bare minimum, he will be under the salary. He will be under the franchise tag for this upcoming season. Um, he wants to stay in Baltimore. The Ravens want him to stay in Baltimore. Um, I mean, a lot of you are probably asking the same question: Why hasn't the contract gotten done? But if you remember earlier in the season, he he came out and said, "Once the season starts, it's I'm focused on football." Yeah, that's it. I, I'm not going to worry about the negotiating process. That will take care of itself when it's ready. During the season, he was all business. He wanted to help this team try and win a Super Bowl. Ultimately, it didn't work out. But now, now it's time to go back to the negotiating table. It wasn't a matter, and people in the media are saying that he quit on the team. The Ravens quit on him. No, he did not. He did not quit on the Ravens. The Ravens may not have put him in a great position in order to succeed. I will admit that, but. The Raven, but he did not quit on the Ravens. Marlon Humphrey even said that he's been limping around the facility. They knew he wasn't going to play. Yeah, I think uh, it's just a lot of like if you're in there and you see what's happening, you see the guy, you kind of have a better understanding of what's going on than everybody in the media. I think it's hysterical that everybody in the media thinks they know what's best for Lamar Jackson, what he should do. Um, They know how his knee feels. They know all that stuff. I just love that. Yeah. Um, I also just think it's funny that nobody understands how injuries work. Um, and the only person that does seems to be RG three and actually defending Lamar Jackson. Yeah, because um, I mean, I mean, RG three gets it. He had a very similar injury in his rookie year when he was playing in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, dude, ligaments don't just like heal themselves. Like, I mean, he'll, it'll scar tissue over, and it's called edema. Um, uh, and uh, it'll it'll scar tissue over. But the whole thing with him rehabbing and physical therapy is, um, to keep it moving so he doesn't lose range of motion in his knee which scar tissue is notorious for doing it will cause you to lose range of motion i mean same thing happened to jk dobbins and he had to go back in and have surgery to fix it the only difference is is like jk dobbins was going in to have a debridement surgery which is to break up that scar tissue whereas lamar jackson would be going in if they break up that scar tissue they break up the integrity of that pcl now he's got to have his pcl repaired yeah nobody wants that no so um 
Yeah, I just think it's hysterical. Everybody knows what's best for Lamar Jackson, except for Lamar Jackson. Right. Everybody knows how his knee is feeling, except for him. Everybody knows that he should be playing, except for him. Everybody knows what's best for Lamar Jackson. I think it's, I think it's hysterical. Um, but it was in the offseason. The Ravens offered him a five-year deal worth uh, $250 million with 133 at signing. Guaranteed at signing, right off the Ripsky. Um, so they're definitely going to have to uh, come above that. Um, by, a, by, by a $400 million. I, whoa. You, five years, $350 million? That's a lot of money, brother. Gar- the guaranteed at signing part oh. is, is what they're going to have to raise by $400 million. That's 230 guaranteed at signing. So I, I, I texted you, I think, some realistic numbers. Realistic. I'm talking realistic from both sides of the, both sides of the table. They're, they're trying to get something together, uh, something that's reasonable for both sides of the table. Of course, Lamar Jackson wants as much money as he can get, and of course the Ravens want to pay him as little as they can pay him because that's just how business works. doesn't matter what business it is, but that's how business works. Um, I came up with some numbers of five years, $270 million, $230 million guaranteed with 150 guaranteed at signing. So what that kind of comes to with two, five years, $270 million, that's $54 million deal. So that breaks the market. That, that's, that sets the market. That is the highest um, annual salary in the market. The, he gets $230 million guaranteed. Uh, but 150 of that is coming to him at the signing bonus. So now he has another $80 million guaranteed money throughout those five years with $40 million kind of up for grabs. It's not the fully guaranteed deal that he's looking for that Deshaun Watson got that every quarterback is going to be seeking throughout um, through any contract negotiation negotiation from here on out like we said we don't blame them if you see the guy next to you getting it why would you not ask for it makes perfect sense but especially when you're better than the guy next to you i definitely agree but the 230 million dollars guaranteed is exactly what um deshaun watson's guaranteed was for his entire contract so you're matching the guaranteed money that deshaun watson is getting with the potential to make more money as well um, the hundred and fifty dollars, uh, hundred fifty thousand dollars guaranteed at signing. Hundred fifty million. What I say, hundred fifty dollars, hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, hundred fifty million dollars at signing is a bigger signing bonus than uh, that. Also sets the market for that as well. That is the biggest um, signing bonus for contracts ever. And then, like I said, that fifty four million dollars a year does set the market for that as well. So it's market setting for all of those numbers, except for the contract late length which is Patrick Mahomes because he signed that like 12 year 500 million dollar contract which is absurdly long that's like a baseball contract yeah I mean I mean I mean the length of contract I mean that, no one in their right mind is going to come anywhere close to that number um in in years for for a contract yeah that's no, a baseball contract yeah nobody in the right mind is going to do it Kansas Kansas City can afford can can do it because they know damn well okay look no matter what we end up doing nothing is better than this guy yeah, I mean they made a they made a phenomenal choice locking him up for what they did when they did because I couldn't imagine what they'd have to pay him now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, now one so 
so in 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 conclusion, before I get on my next point with as far as Lamar Jackson goes, he's coming back. He will play next season for the Ravens. The Ravens have too much control over the situation to not have him come back. I agree. You're good. I saw I saw the Twitter notification pop up. I I held my breath for a second. I did. Tennessee Titans are hiring San Francisco 49ers uh, director of pro personnel Rand Carthen as their new general manager. Interesting. So there you go. A little breaking news for you. <clears throat> Not that I'm sure any of you guys actually care. Right. Um. But I will say that if Lamar Jackson does not sign a contract with the Ravens, um, or or they or they can't agree to a long term deal, which I find very, very, very unlikely. Um few teams that um according to I don't even know who this is according to. Uh let's see, who are these are odds according to? These are according to DraftKings Sportsbook. They have the the Jets as the most likely destination. Hold on, one too. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same thing. Okay, uh, the Jets are the most likely destination for Lamar Jackson, a plus two fifty, followed by Atlanta plus three fifty, the Raiders a plus seven fifty, Carolina at seven fifty, New England at nine hundred, the Commanders at nine hundred, and the Dolphins at a thousand. So those would include trades, multiple first round picks. Um, possibly even players going back in return in order to compensate for salary. Um, so if if they were to move off of Lamar Jackson, which I find very, 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 very unlikely. Yeah. Um, I'd 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 say there's a bigger there's. I'd I'd say the chance of us moving off of Lamar Jackson is under five percent for sure. I mean, I I personally I think the I think the deal can be done. Um, I think it will get done. I I, I think there's a 100% chance that it will get done. But but being realistic, there's I think there's a less than a 5% chance that they lose the team. Yeah, and well, and like speaking of the being realistic, I wanted to come up with like a realistic contract of what like what the numbers like what they could look like. Um, <laughs> you're being like surgical trying to pull that top off. There you go. Proud of you. Um, I mean, all like I said, all the numbers break the market. Um, except, I mean, the guaranteed money doesn't break it, but it matches the market for guaranteed money. Um, but the signing bonus that that sets the market. Um, the two hundred seventy million dollars. Um, I mean, that doesn't really break the market, but it's more than what Deshaun got. It's more than what Russell Wilson's getting. It's more than what Kyler Murray got. Um, the fifty-four million dollars a year is market setting as well. That uh, that's more than what Aaron Rodgers is making. Um, and, like, that's just, like, average, like, average salary. Right. Of course, you can backload the contract. Right. Um, which is what actually happened with uh, Russell Wilson. Like, his contract is a little more backloaded. So I think at one year, he's set to make, like, $58 million a year or something like that. Like, it's right. something absurd. Um, so, of course, you can backload it, which would be smart for the Ravens. Backload it a little bit. Um, and then give yourself a year or two here to really play around with some pieces, get some help. Because um, I think, there's three moves that the Ravens are going to make in the offseason. Bring in a new offensive coordinator, sign Lamar Jackson, and they're going to rebuild that offense or that uh, wide receiver room. Um, outside of that, I mean, you got to bring back your left guard, Ben Powers. I believe. I think that's a great move. He played really, really well for us this year, but defense, they seem to have the ball. They seem to have that figured out. I mean, there's questions around Marcus Peters, if he's going to be re signed or not. Of course, there's some guys on the roster that you can move off of and save some money, like. Uh, like Gus Edwards or um, Tyus Bowser, Chuck Clark, Chuck Clark, Michael Pierce. Um, 
there's some there's some guys around the around the team that you could move off of and uh and you know free yourself up some money um but yeah that's that's just what I have for a contract for Lamar that's some realistic numbers that I can see that are um kind of make both sides of the ball happy. I mean, you could pay Lamar Jackson a shit ton of money, like you said, like $60 million a year um, on the average salary, but that's like that's setting the market super, super, super high, and it makes it tough to get anything done after that as far as, I mean, we got to get some wide receiver help. Right, yeah. Um, and then re-sign the left guard. Um, luckily, although I will say this, it's almost kind of advantageous to pay Lamar Jackson that $54 million a year because... Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are going to be coming up on contract extensions here soon, and they're going to want that $54 million a year, especially Joe Burrow more than Justin Herbert, because Joe Burrow's been to a um, Super Bowl. He didn't win it, but he's been there. So he's going to be like, well, look, I've at least gotten you guys there. He hasn't. I want what he's at least what he's got. And then you're we're gonna we're gonna cause the Cincinnati Bengals to be in a little cap stricken area there. Right. So that makes me happy too. Um it's like uh secondary financial warfare. I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it will be interesting to see how it does play out. Ultimately, I mean, have, I mean, for, for real, have, have, have no fear. Lamar, Lamar will be the quarterback of the Ravens next year. Um, that's not a question. Um, the only question at this point is what price point is, are we, are we going to get him back at? Um, will it will it be their franchise tag? Will it be a long term deal? That are made to be seen. But ultimately, he will, he will be coming back and playing for the Ravens next year. Um, he has unfinished business. The Ravens did not do anything to spite him. Um, and there and whatever whatever may have happened that we're not that we're not really aware of. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the whole media thing about his injury, like it was kind of handled poorly with John Harbaugh and, right. and and the upper management there. Like nobody really had his back. Mm-mm in the media for it. Um, now, granted, I mean, Lamar could have, at any point in time, could have hit the podium and talked about it. Right, right. Um, so I don't know if they didn't let him for that, or, you know, I think John Harbaugh had needed to do a little better job defending him, be like, look, guys, he's injured. He's in the building. He's rehabbing. He's doing what he's got to do. But it's just, it's just not there. Like, I don't know. It, it has nothing to do with contract talks that I know of. He hasn't said anything to me. I've not heard anything from anybody. I'm the head coach. You would think I would know that. Instead right. of just be like, I don't know, guys. That's not really my job. It is. Yeah. It is your job. Right. Um, He had to do a better job of coming out and having Lamar's back, I believe, in the media. I think, I think to some degree Lamar has every right to be upset about that and probably is upset about it. Um, But, yeah, I think Lamar Jackson, you'll see him in the number eight purple jersey. They'll be playing for the Ravens. Um, I have total confidence in that happening. Yeah. Um, you know, a, another guy that's kind of um that's kind of up for debate as far as what's gonna happen with him is Derek Carr. Um, that's a team who um they're gonna move off of Derek Carr in favor of I don't know if it's Jared Stidham, I don't know if it's gonna be a, a, a rookie quarterback, which is what I actually think is gonna happen. Um, or what we actually think is gonna happen. They go they end up drafting a rookie in the first round. Um, but you know, Derek Carr, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's an interesting guy as far as what's going to happen with him. He's a guy who's had to play on some really, really bad teams, but he's put up some pretty good numbers. Um, he got his quote unquote college best friend, um, from their days at Fresno State and Devontae Adams, but they didn't really do anything to get over that hump from last year. I mean, they were a playoff team last year with all that shit going on with John Gruden and, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Passaccia taking over. Um, now here they are. Ready to move on from him in favor of another direction. 
Um, so some of the odds for Derek Carr as far as where he's going to end up going. The number one spot right now is the Colts at plus 300. The Jets at plus 350. Buccaneers at plus 500. Panthers at plus 800. Saints at 900. Commanders at 1,000. And the Patriots also at 1,000. So, Holman, I ask you, Derek Carr, what's next? If I'm Derek Carr, the best place for me to go is, because he has a no-trade clause, so he picks where he can go. Correct, yeah. The best place for him to go, and I, and I, and I totally mean this, um, I don't think it's on that list. I think it's the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, elaborate. They have the cap space to pay him. You got Drake London. You got Kyle Pitts. Got a little bit of a run game there. Uh, offensive line is serviceable. I mean, they didn't. They're not great, but I mean, you also got to remember the Falcons are giving up some draft capital. Uh, capital. I do it every time. Capital. Um, to get him, so they're not really going to be able to revamp that line early this season. Um, but then you're looking, you're looking at some of the other teams. The Patriots have $33 million in, in cap space. They could bring in somebody like that. I mean, Derek Carr did sign a pretty hefty, uh, extension, I believe. So I think, you know, I, I think he's getting paid decent money. I should be able to tell you here in just, uh, just a moment here. Um, his, uh, APY is $40 million, 40.4. Um, so you gotta have, you gotta have somebody that's willing to incur that. Of course, um, you know, the Patriots, they got 33, like I said, they're going to give up some pieces, create some cap space, probably restructure some deals and everything like that. You're looking at the other teams, you're looking at the Colts, they got 13 million in cap space. That's a lot of room to clear out. Um, you got the commanders at 7.6. That's a lot of cap space to clear out. Um, the jets, they're actually negative. Yeah. Um, actually, according to my number, the Jets have $7.9 million cap. Okay, I'm looking at over the cap here. Um, I'm looking at sport, tra- sport track. Yeah, which they do seem to have different numbers. Yeah. Um, but a team that I think you can rule out is the Buccaneers. They, I think, they're, according to sport, or over the cap here, they're negative $43.8 million. Like, they're well into the negatives there. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a number that I have, too. All right, perfect. There we go. Um, the Panthers are minus uh, 7.6, um, according to over the cap over here. Like I said, I'm just basing it off of the numbers that I got here. Right, right, I right. Don't, I don't know the numbers. Um, so I think you gotta you got to look at the, uh, the logistics of it all. Who has the cap space? Who has the roster that's appealing? Personally, I think the Jets have probably the most appealing roster of all the teams. You got wide receivers already. Um, they got C.J. Uzama at uh, tight end. They have a damn good defense. It's an okay offensive line. It um, needs it needs some help. It needs some help, but it can be addressed. Uh, it's it doesn't need to be as addressed as heavily as some other teams. Um, but to me personally, um, I think the Falcons would probably be the best place. They have the cap space. They don't have to move a ton of pieces. They can bring in extra pieces as well, and um. You know, that division's kind of up in the air. Like I said, the Bucks being over so much, Tom Brady not knowing if he's coming back to the Bucks, they're gonna have to re they're gonna have to reload that team. They're gonna have to 
it's going to be a complete rebuild over there in Tampa Bay because they put all their chips into one pot. Um, they went all in and folded. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why they folded um, after they went all in, but that just seems like a Tampa Bay move to make. Um, they're they're done. I mean, you got to think the Falcons, what, they finished last in the division? You had somebody like Derek Carr. Seven to ten in the top for a second. Yeah. Um, the Saints, once again, they're more cap-stricken than the Buccaneers are. Yeah. So they're going to have to reload. They're going to have to rebuild. Then you got the Panthers. You got to think. I mean, at that point, the Panthers are really your only competition. But once again, they're negative in cap space, too. Yeah. The Falcons seem, I know, I don't think it was on the list, but the Falcons seem like the best move. Okay. I know it's weird, but I, 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 I genuinely think, and I think the Falcons can give up some stuff to, uh, to, to, uh, entice, make an enticing, entice the Raiders into it. Well, so, so let's, let's take a look here. Let's see what, where are the Falcons picking at this year across the board? Uh, they're up there. What are they? Five? I want to see all their picks. Let's see. So, so the Falcons have a lot of draft capital. They have the first, second, a third, uh, two fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and three sevenths round picks. So at um, <clears throat> so the whole so the whole thing is is that um, <sighs> you know Derek Carr's cap number is so high heading into this season. His cap number is sitting at thirty four point eight million dollars. So. You know, you're going to have to, so you're going to give up peanuts in order to get him. Um, so he's, so you could probably get away with giving up a third and a fifth and getting Derek Carr. Um, just because at that point you're taking on so much salary, you know, you really can't, you really can't afford to give up a first round pick. And that's good for the Falcons too, because the, the contract's already done. They don't have to deal with all that nonsense. Right, right, right. And, um. You know, it, it, I believe it is reworkable as well. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I don't know exactly what his contract looks like. Let's see. Uh, it's actually not reworkable. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't have like a uh, like a clause in it or anything like that in order to in order to redo it. But, um, but yeah, with the cap hit of, with a cap hit of almost forty million or almost thirty five million dollars a year, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make it tough for the the Raiders to find a to find a dance partner, but ultimately I think somebody will. Um, you know, you bring up the Atlanta Falcons. You know, that's a, that's a really good team. It's a good destination for him, I think. Um, you know, another another team that I kind of do like um, is the Jets as well. Like I said, I think that's probably the. If most, I was Derek most, Carr, that's the place I want to go. Most appealing, but will but can they figure it out logistically? I don't know. That's a good question. Um. But yeah, ultimately Derek Carr is going to be on the move, so this is going to be a great offseason for as far as quarterbacks getting moved. Um, another quarterback possibly on the move as well is Tom Brady. See, and and Tom Brady feels like a uh, feels like a Raiders move, going back to Josh McDaniels, his uh, former offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach over there. Um, they're moving off Derek Carr and his contract, so they're going to free up a ton of space to take on Tom Brady's contract. Yeah. Um, they have Devontae Adams. They have the number one receiver receiver over there, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, um, 
They have a Matt decent Collins. Matt Collins. I mean, they have a decent defense. It needs some secondary help, but um, with Max Crosby and I mean Chandler Jones. I mean, at some point, like he pooped the bed this year, but I don't think Chandler Jones is a bad player. Mm. Um, I think they're going to be okay over there with the with a competent quarterback play. Um, that'd be a good place for him. I'd love to see just real quick. I'd love to see Derek Carr go to the Commanders, but I don't think that's going to happen. I I I do agree there. Um, I mean just just to run down the odds for teams vying for Tom Brady, you got the Raiders plus two fifty to the front runner, Buccaneers a plus three hundred, the Jets a plus four hundred, Forty Nineers a plus five hundred, Titans at seven hundred, Patriots at nine hundred, the Dolphins at a thousand, the Colts at eleven hundred, and the Ravens sitting at plus twelve hundred. The Ravens? This is according to Sportsline. Of course, the Ravens, uh, the Ravens being in the market is of course contingent upon what happens with Lamar. Interesting. So, of course, if the Ravens end up re-signing Lamar Jackson, we will no longer be vying for the services of Tom Brady. As a Ravens fan, I also wouldn't want Tom Brady. It's a one-year rental. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, ultimately, I, I, I do think the Raiders would probably be the best move for him. Um, if he is still playing, really, I think the best move for him is sitting in the booth with Fox. On that ten-year, three hundred seventy-five million dollar, three hundred seventy-five million dollar deal to call games, um, but I think Tom Brady still feels like he has something, something to prove. He still wants to play. He still feels like he can play. I think the Raiders will probably, probably be the move for him. Yeah, I mean the Raiders just seems like the right place for that. Um, the same way that Derek Carr to the Jets just kind of feels right, but. Um, right for so, for some reason it just feels like like Tom Brady to the Raiders just feels like okay let's just go ahead and do it yeah I don't know it just uh it just seems right it'd be a great move for uh, for the Raiders move off Derek Carr bring in Tom Brady um they'll still keep the their draft pick early in the draft mm-hmm. where they can get um a young talent like Will Levis or CJ Stroud, or Anthony project, Richardson. Like Anthony Richardson, yeah. And and have them sit under the tutelage of Tom Brady for a year. Um teach them the game, teach them how to read a defense, film study, everything like that. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady's looking to really be a mentor. He's looking to win a Super Bowl. But just I mean just the mental reps you get behind Tom sitting Brady. behind a guy like that, you it's pick unmatched. It, pick his brain, ask him questions, things things along that line. I mean, Tom Brady's also has always benefited very well when he's had a tight end as well. He does have one in there. He would have one in there in Waller. Um, so it does seem like that's a match made in heaven. There, his contract is going to be up this season. What does that number look like? I couldn't tell you. And the Raiders are going to bring back Josh Jacobs. Yes, they have to. So, I mean, you got a run game, you got a real good running back, real good tight end, one dominant receiver, one very crisp route runner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, both are very crisp route runners, but Hunter Renfro, a very crisp route runner. Um, you, could, you could beef up the offensive line. That'd be, that'd be a good choice as well. Yeah. Uh, but once again, bringing in somebody like Tom Brady, it makes, it makes you want to go play there. Yeah, you want to go play with Tom Brady. You want to go play with the greatest quarterback of all time, and potentially win a chip. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very enticing. And yeah, you know, there are. I mean, another option that the Raiders could go with if they do decide to pursue Tom Brady, which I feel like they will. Um, you know, Tom Brady could. Um, you know, they they could end up going with like a like a offensive lineman in the first round. 
Paris Johnson, Peter Skronsky, one of those two guys, um, just depending on whoever they have ranked higher. I think you and I have differing opinions on who's ranked higher, but that's just that that's neither here nor there. I still um, think Skronsky is number is the best tackle. Okay. But okay. Yeah. I, we we talked about it earlier, but I I never got that I never got that answer out of you, so I just didn't know. Well, PFF just has uh, Paris Johnson Jr. higher than Skronsky now. Right. I I, I got to look at film and see and see who's going to end up being better, um, or who or who's going to be ranked higher. But um, but another thing they could do is they could take they could take a project player, someone along the lines of Hendon Hooker, in the second third round, to be your backup quarterback, a guy who probably won't end up playing this year due to his injury but you know if you sit behind Tom Brady with his athleticism could work out well yeah and I mean I think Hendon Hooker's a little more refined than Anthony Richardson um still a little bit of a project but more refined but he just drops in value because he tore his ACL late in the season Anthony Richardson also just has so much raw potential like like what like what you saw out of him when he was in um when he was at Florida, you know, you're like, wow, holy shit. Like, if this, if this cat puts it together, he's going to be unstoppable. With Hendon Hooker, you kind of you now have an opportunity. You kind of have seen, like, okay, look, this is what Hendon Hooker has to offer. You know, if you get him into the right scenario, you know, he will be unstoppable. But, um, but once again, the mental reps that he gets sitting behind Tom Brady. Exactly. Great for his growth. Yeah, it's night and day. Yeah, night and day. That's for anybody. That's for anybody. I could learn how to play the quarterback position set behind Tom Brady. Not very well, but you could learn how to do it. I could learn how to do it. I couldn't execute it for shit, but I could learn how to do it. Right. I wouldn't be able to see over anybody at five nine. Yeah, fuck no. Sorry, buddy. I'm like I'm in your corner. I'm all I'm all, I'm all for you. You know I always gas you up, but no. Yeah, no, I'd I'd yeah. belt my offensive lineman right in the back of the head on thirty percent of my throws. <laughs> Fucking Trent Williams turns around and picks you up thirty ten yards. <laughs> he would. He'd be like, Stop fucking hitting me. You see, uh, you see Kyle Juszczyk going out to throw, go throw a block, and he cracked Trent Williams big time. I did not see that. Pancaked the hell out of him. <laughs> like Trent, like Trent Williams, like fell on his back and like rolled over onto his stomach. You know, Trent Williams just fought. God damn! <laughs> I know, like, like, like it, it, it showed like a close up of his face after Juszczyk helped him up, and he like he like looked so confused about what happened. Bro, did I say something wrong or like, yeah, like what the fuck? Goodness gracious! Well, my guy, I think that's all I got for uh, for the folks this Tuesday. We th- we say, yeah, yeah. I mean, de- definitely an NFL dominated episode. I mean, we've said it the past few weeks. It's starting to head that head in that direction. Um, maybe that is the new direction. I don't know. That remains to be seen. That's something that we still have to talk about. But um, but yeah, looking forward to di- looking forward forward to the divisional round. Looking forward to possibly maybe we'll start seeing some head coaches get hired this this upcoming um, this upcoming week. You'll be seeing some GM roles filled, so head coaches are next, and uh, we'll see what they have in store for us. Yeah, see some GM roles filled, some coordinator roles filled. Um, so it'll be um it'll be an interesting week heading forward. Get some injury reports, see what's going on with um you know the Bengals definitely need some help as far as their offensive line goes. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with some. Um, here in this upcoming week, and uh, be eager to talk about it come Friday. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's get on out of here. Let's get uh, let's get some dinner here soon, and uh, hope you guys have a good week. We'll catch you on Friday. Yep. See you Friday, guys.